I'd like to open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2, we will be looking at the message to the church at Thyatira this evening. We are making our way through each of these messages to these seven churches that we have recorded here in the first part of the book of Revelation. We have looked at Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamum so far, and now we arrive at Thyatira. And our purpose for these messages is to, or these lessons is to, is to briefly look at these, each one of these messages and see the things that they have in common and see um, what the message was to that particular church in that particular time and then make the application to, our, to ourselves in, in this day and age that we live in. So, um, as I mentioned, we are making our way through the churches. We're in Thyatira, and uh, we'll remind ourselves of the, of the map here. Um, Bill, would you shut those lights off behind you? <clears throat> Again, um, John is in exile on the Isle of Patmos, and he is writing... Um, what he is seeing, what the, the Lord is, is, is showing to him, and the message that he has given to each one of these churches. And we have the, the first one there in Ephesus, and then in Smyrna, and then we come up to Pergamum. Now we're starting to make our way back south. So now we're talking about the message there to Thyatira. Um, again, just reminding ourselves about the geography, the way this, this looks. It makes sense to us that these messages would be going out um, in this manner. It makes, makes geographical sense that this is the way that they're going out. The description of Jesus is very important. We've looked at this as we've gone through in the, in the early part uh, of the, the book of Revelation here in chapter 1. Um, John describes uh, this vision he has of the Lord. And the Lord himself describes himself. And so we have looked at the way that each one of these uh, descriptions has, has played its way into the, the messages that are to each one of these churches. So we looked at how he describes, how Jesus is described to the, to the message of Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamum. And we talked about that this way that he has described himself plays into the message that this church is receiving, and we'll see that today as well as we talk about the message to Thyatira. So in chapter 1, verses 14, the second half of verse 14 to the first part of verse 15, Jesus is described as this, And his eyes were like a flame of fire, and his feet were like burnished bronze, when it has caused to, be, uh, to glow in a furnace. So that's the description there from chapter 1. So in the message to Thyatira, Jesus says, this is how he describes himself, the Son of God, who has eyes like the flame of fire, and his feet are like burnished bronze. So we see there again, the description that was made early on plays over into the description of himself when he's writing to the church in Thyatira. And we'll talk about how that affects the message or how that plays into the message that these here in Thyatira are going to receive. A little about, a little about the city of the ancient city of Thyatira. 
um, just ge geographic-wise, about 40 miles southeast of Pergamum. So remember, we're in our map. We're starting to make our way back south. Um, so this is where Thyatira sits, about 40 miles southeast of Pergamum. It's in the middle of the, uh, the modern Turkish city of Akhazar. And we'll see um, why I say that that's in the middle of this city. The other, other cities we've looked at, we, we've looked at the ruins and, and seen they're kind of in a um, desolate place. Um, we'll see quite a bit of difference here when we look at Thyatira. It was a wealthy city due large part to the trade and the manufacturing that took place in the city. And again, this is very important to understand about the kind of people that were there. Um, it's known, it was known for its purple dye and dyed garments. And this is another thing that uh, kind of identifies this particular city. Known for purple dye and the dyed garments that they made with that. It's also known for the many trade guilds. Um, again, this is a working city. Uh, lots of uh, trade, lots of manufacturing, um, lots of um, commerce going on, it appears, from the things that are there. The guilds, such as wool workers and linen workers, makers of outer garments and dyers, there's their dyeing with the, the purple there. Leather workers and tanners, potters, bakers, slave dealers even, and bronze smiths. So we get kind of an idea there about Jesus' feet being burnished bronze, kind of alludes to why that might be the description that Jesus gives of himself. So just a couple of uh, um, photographs here. Um, these are, are used by permission from Leon Malden. You know, he's, if, if you don't know who he is, he's done a lot of travel, extensive travel over in this area of the world, and he takes a lot of photographs. And so we, we can benefit from that. This is just showing some of the ancient Roman columns um, and the ruins there in the city. Um, and this is what's interesting about Thyatira. See the, the city back here in the background? <laughs> it's just right in the middle of this modern day uh, city here uh, of uh, Akhazar in Turkey. There's not a lot of excavation that has actually taken place of the old ancient city. Whereas like we saw in Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamum, there was quite a bit of um, excavation because it was, seems to be out away from the population centers, whereas Thyatira is sitting right in the middle and built on top of the city, uh, Akazar built right on top of um, the old city of Thyatira. So there's not a whole lot of excavation that has been done at, to date. Um, this is a picture of um, this wool that's dyed with the, with the purple. Uh, it comes from a, a mat, the madder root, M-A-D-D-E-R. That's what they used um, to make this purple dye. And this is wool um, that's been dyed with that, with that dye. And then they would make stuff like, like these rugs. This, these rugs are made out of uh, wool that is dyed uh, from these. So this is still going on, it seems, the trade in this city. Uh, still going on, these kind of uh, guilds, these kind of workers, this kind of commerce still going on. So what about the church in Thyatira? Well, much like the church in Smyrna, we don't really have a whole lot about the origin of the church itself in this city. Um, in fact, this is the only mention in the New Testament 
about this church is, is what we find here in Revelation 2. So we don't know a whole lot about its origin. But we do have this message that our Lord uh, spoke to John and asked them and told him to pass this on to the, to the church in Thyatira. But we do know someone from Thyatira. We do know this person, Lydia. Look over with me in Acts chapter 16 for just a moment. Acts chapter 16. <clears throat> Beginning verse 11, here in Acts chapter 16, it says, Therefore, putting out to sea from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and on the day, uh, on the day following to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And we were staying in this city for some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to a riverside, where we were supposing that there would be a place for prayer, and we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. Verse 14. And a certain woman named Lydia, from, a, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she had, her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me faithful to the Lord, come into, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So we have someone here from Thyatira. And it just so happens that she was a seller of purple fabric. She was a seller of purple. Um, so we know this, um, this person, Lydia, uh, from Thyatira. Now, it's been, it's been said that it's possibly that it was Lydia who returned to her home in Thyatira and, and began the church there, but there's, there's really no evidence of that. Um, but that's a possibility. It's possible that she could have done that, especially if you see kind of the, the, um, the character of Lydia. Um, it says what is said about her, a worshiper of God. And she was intently listening to the message that was being given here. And it says after she was baptized, she urged us, uh, urged them to stay with her. It says that she prevailed upon them so that, that they would stay with her. Um, so we see a very, from this little sketch we have of her, a very faithful and dedicated woman. So it's very possible that she could have been the one who went back to Thyatira and had a hand in the beginning of the church there, but we don't know for sure. So let's go back to Revelation 2 and read this message to the church in Thyatira. Revelation 2, beginning in verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like burnished bronze, says this, I know your deeds, and your love, and your faith, and service, and perseverance, and that your deeds of late are greater than at first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray, so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent of her immorality. Behold, I will cast her upon a bed of sickness, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with pestilence. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds." 
But I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold to this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. And my deeds, uh, and, and he who overcomes, and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority to, to rule over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of potter are broken to pieces, and I also receive authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what, he, what the Spirit says to the churches. So Thyatira. Again, following the pattern that each one of these messages follow, there's a salutation, as we see in each one of these, to the angel of the church in Thyatira, right. That is the common salutation. Next, we have Jesus' self-designation, how he describes himself in each of these messages. And for Thyatira, as we've already mentioned, he describes himself as the Son of God. He who has eyes like flame of fire, and his feet are like burnished bronze. So obviously, the Son of God is an obvious designation of who he is. Um, again, um, emphasizing his deity, emphasizing the authority that he has as the Son of God. But what about this eyes like a flame of fire? Isn't that a, an awesome sight uh, to think about? Um, this one with eyes like a flame of fire. That flame of fire represents that piercing insight, the eyes that can see all. Nothing hidden from his sight. Illumination that comes from his own eyes. And able to discern the false teachings of this prophetess. So as he describes himself as having these, these eyes like flame of fire, the idea is that he can see the things that are going on in this church. Nothing is hidden from his sight. What about this feet like burnished bronze? Another uh, awesome sight to think about in this, in this vision that John has, and then Jesus describing himself as feet like burnished bronze, ready to trample and burn those who are following after this prophetess. Ready to trample them out. There's an allusion here to Malachi 4. Listen as I read here from Malachi 4, verses 1 through 3. For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and evil doer will be chaff. And the day is coming that I will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing on its wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. You will tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. So in that we get the understanding of what these burnished bronze feet, burning like with fire, might be about. It's this trampling underfoot, those who are, would come against the Lord. So what about um, the next part of the letter, the commendation of good? The Lord commends them for the things that they were doing, doing well, the works and the love and the service and the patience and the growth that they had. 
like or unlike Ephesus, remember what the message was to Ephesus, the condemnation, you have lost your first love. But here in the, in the commendation to Thyatira, I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance and that your deeds of late are great, greater than at first. And that we see growth. We see growth in this church. The, the deeds from the, the later deeds are, are more than the first. There's growth in this church, and there's love and faith and perseverance. So we see a church that is operating as it should and hasn't left its first love. And Jesus commends them for this and the things that they have going on that are proper. Patience and growth. But there is a condemnation of evil that is happening. There is something that's going on in this church in Thyatira that they have to be condemned for. And that's this Jezebel. Allowing Jezebel to teach and seduce my servants. So who is this Jezebel? Is it actually a woman named Jezebel? Or is it a representation and a, a name given to her because of who Jezebel was? We'll talk about that in just a moment. But whichever that might be, she was a woman of great leadership abilities. And she was leading people astray. And she was equated with the wife of Ahab, the original Jezebel. If you remember the story about Jezebel, there's a reason why people don't name their little girls Jezebel anymore. Jezebel was a wicked woman. She led her husband to serve Baal. She cut off the prophets of God. She encouraged idolatry. So when Jesus recognizes and calls out this woman in Thyatira as Jezebel, whether that's her name or not, we get the allusions to the Jezebel of old. And Jezebel of old is summed up this way in 2 Kings 9.22. When Joram saw Jehu, he said, Is it peace, Jehu? And he answered, What peace? So long as the harlotries of your mother Jezebel and her witchcrafts are so many. That sums up Jezebel. Harlotries and witchcraft. So when we see our Lord calling out this Jezebel in Thyatira, we understand idolatry, uh, fornications, witchcrafts, harlotries. We understand those illusions. The next part, the council. The warning and the exhortation. So you have this woman in, in, um, in your midst that is leading people astray. What's the counsel? What's the warning? What's the instruction to them? Three part. Has given her time to repent. There's going to be tribulation. And there's going to be death. The time for her to repent, this is time that should be understood as an opportunity for salvation. This is a time for her to change from her ways. 2 Peter 3 and verse 15 says, And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Even amongst all this, our Lord has given her time to repent. And we understand there from 2 Peter that patience of our Lord is equated with salvation. It's time for her to change. Then he's given time for her followers to repent. There's a time given for them to repent. Verse 22, Behold, I will cast her, um, sorry, come down to um, 
Verse 21, sorry. And I gave her time to repent, and she does not want to repent of her immorality. Verse 24, but I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as I call them, I place no other burden on you. He's given the people time to repent. The ones that aren't following after her, he says, I place no other burden on you. But there's time for her followers to repent as well. And then the last part is the killing of her children. It says there in verse 24, I will kill her children with pestilence and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts and I will give to each one according to the deeds. You see those flaming eyes of fire? Searches the hearts, knows each one's deeds. So why this, this strong message about killing her children? Who are her children? It seems that those children, those uh, who are called her children are those who have been begotten of her. Those, in other words, her spiritual offspring. These are the ones who had completely been brought under her influence, referred to as children. And their time was up. It says, I'm going to kill them. They don't have time to repent. These are the ones that have followed after her and have gone down that road and are her spiritual offspring. Their time was up. Given time her to repent, giving time tribulation that's going to befall them. We didn't talk about that. Let's talk about that. Verse 22, Behold, I will cast her upon a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of her deeds. It's going to be tribulation that comes on these, unless they repent. What about the promise of reward? In each of these messages, we see the promise of reward for overcoming. Here, in those in Thyatira, they were going to be given the power over nations to rule with a rod of iron and receive the morning star. So what does that mean? What about this ruling over the nations? Why would these people be given this? It sounds like something that's given to our Lord. You remember in Psalm 2, beginning of verse 6, it says, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain, and I will surely tell the decree of my Lord. He said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As for me, and I will surely give you the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and you shall shatter them like earthenware. It's an obvious allusion to that, to Psalm 2. But here's talking about Jesus. What about these people that overcome? Why are they equated with that? And I'll tell you, it's because our place is, is in the kingdom, and we get to share in that. We get to share in this ruling. If you remember from 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, it says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We have that honor of serving in this position with our brother, Jesus Christ. So as he talks about giving this authority to rule over the nations to our Lord, we understand that. But have you ever thought to stop to think about that we have that power? We're ruling now in the kingdom. Because we've been equated with that. We are that royal priesthood. We are that holy nation. And what a blessing it is that we are.
And then the last part of the letter, of the message, as it is with each one, the invitation to hear. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. One other thing I wanted to talk about before we get that is this morning star. What does that mean? Verse 28, and I will give him the morning star. Well, its exact meaning is, is unclear. I've read several different commentaries, and each one of them has a little bit different take on what that might mean. So the message is to us is it's, it's unclear exactly what it is. But I think we'd be comfortable in the context of understanding with the message that has gone forth and the idea of this overcoming. There has to be something about that in this morning star. So it could be that light of the, of the new day, the dawning of the new day, the morning star. You have overcome the dark night. You've overcome the, the night of sin and darkness. And now there's a new day ahead, that morning star. Overcoming the trials and the temptations of this Jezebel. Leaving that behind and this morning star is that new day. It's out there on the horizon. Seems that could be in the context a pretty good explanation of what this morning star is. But we understand that there's always, in each one of these, a reward for overcoming. And we know what that ultimate reward is. And that is our life in heaven. If we are found faithful in the end. So what about the message to us then? So we read this and look at the things that are going on in Thyatira, the good things that are going on in Thyatira. But there's bad things as well. Unlike Ephesus, Thyatira had not lost, had not left its first love. They had not gone away from the love of God. They were still a church of love. They were still practicing the things that a church should. Faith and service and perseverance. And that your deeds are greater, um, your deeds of later are greater than the ones at first. There's a growing church. That's a good message to us. We need to be growing. We need to hold on to that first love that we have, love of God, and continue to grow. Don't be like Ephesus and leave our first love. They were continuing to grow despite the problems that were going on. It's interesting to, 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 to see the separation that our Lord speaks about here. There's some over here that are following after Jezebel. Here's the the condemnation of those. But for those who aren't, it says, I place no other burden on you. If you're holding fast and doing what the will of God is supposed to be what you're supposed to be doing. Jesus says, I place no other, no other burden upon you. So they're continuing to grow despite problems. And that's a good strong lesson to us as well. We can't just give up on, on a congregation if problems arise. We have to fight for the things that are right, and stand up for the truth, and we'll be rewarded for that. Leave room for God's vengeance on those who are, who are outside of that. Beware of those who try to lead you or others astray. We see in this church that he has this woman Jezebel. And because of her leadership qualities, because of maybe who she was, and maybe because of the type of people here, hardworking, loyal people, she was able to pull some away. They were following her into idolatry and immorality. We need to be aware of those kind of people and identify them. And not let them lead ourselves, 
us or others astray. Be very careful of those. Remember that as long as the Lord delays, there's a chance to repent. We see in this message, even to the woman Jezebel has given her time to repent. There's time to repent. As long as the sun comes up on the next day, we have an opportunity to repent and make things right. We see that in this message. We cannot hide from the flaming eyes of the Lord. That description of him with those eyes like flaming fire, able to see everything that's going on. There's no hiding from that. There's no hiding from our Lord. He knows what we're doing. And we'll be called to count for it. We are given the privilege to reign with Jesus over the nations. We're reigning in the kingdom right now. This is the spiritual kingdom that our Lord has set up. And we are reigning in it right now. And the things spoken about, about our Lord, about how he has the, 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 shall rule over them with a rod of iron and the vessels of potters are broken into pieces. That's the power and, and honor, stature that we have in our Lord's kingdom. Never take that for granted. And finally, if we overcome, we can welcome the new day. Despite what the difference is about what that morning star actually is, we understand that if we overcome, if we make it through that night, that dark night, the darkness of sin, there's a new day ahead of us. And we can welcome that new day. And we can welcome that opportunity to serve our Lord again in that day. I hope you've gotten something out of this lesson about the church in Thyatira. There's a lot going on there. A lot of things happening. There was good things happening and there was bad things that happened. And our Lord addressed each one of those. We know that He sees us. He knows our deeds. The hairs on our head are numbered. There's no escaping him. If you are in need of the prayers of this congregation, if you realize that the Lord can see each and everything we do, and you need help, you can let that be known. And we can pray and we can help you. And you can let that be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.